Welcome back to the Davis Fitness Method Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Davis, and with me today, we've got Maximilian. Uh, What's up, guys? Max the man. Uh, and we're going to do another Q&A. Um, Max, has a, Max always has a good amount of questions. I feel that uh, this should be at least semi-interesting. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, dude, I mean, I'm always curious about the the um uh, just everything you do i mean like when we start to talk about it um it, it usually seems like you have stuff where it's like like you have different like phases where you're like this is like you're focused on something or i'll come in and you start telling me about well today this and this and then yeah this client's doing you know yeah just like something popped off and i'm just like brain dumping on you maybe yeah okay maybe but it's always like it's interesting because the way you connect it, it's like, well, damn, I never thought of the human body like this sort of the same sort of uh, way. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So I guess I'd like to ask, like, to start off with, just is there, is there anything that's been right on the the brain recently? Uh. Well, I guess like it was like a. So every morning I'll like listen, I'll re-listen to like some lectures that I've attended. So I do that for like an hour every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and like. This would be like very nerd speak, but like we're talking like resistance profiles. And I was like, so I run up to Tris this morning and I was like, hey man, as a one liner, how would you like, what would you say is like resistance profiles? And for most people, like uh, why a resistance profile would be important is something that you, it's something you end up feeling versus something that you're like really needing to understand. But like when you understand it, you can better manipulate it. But a resistance profile is essentially like a graphical representation of a muscle's ability to produce force across its entire anatomical length. Like it's kind of like it's kind of nerd for like so bicep like yeah so like if the bicep if my arm is further back into a stretch position behind my shoulder. Mm It's going to be weaker here if I move my arm slightly forward. It's going to be stronger here. If I move it into a fully flexed position, it's going to be weaker here. So that's that's a strength curve, but like a resistance profile is is more like, sorry. Yeah, so strength curve, not resistance profile. So when I ran up to him, I was like, strength, strength curve. How would you explain that? That's the graphical representation. Like the simplest version of strength curve is this position weaker, this position is stronger. Yeah. And so like uh, a resistance profile is based on like where a machine would be difficult or easier mm-hmm. and um, trying to better match that with when an exercise, when a muscle is stronger or weaker. Um, so you can put, you can, you can look at an, uh, a machine and be like, okay, this is where this one is hard. Where can I best position myself to create the most leverage for the muscle, or at least the muscle that I'm attempting a challenge? So, like, if I want to get into the short and end range of my lat, I don't want the weight to come on really heavy at when my when my lat's the weakest. I want the weight to kind of drop off when I'm in my weakest position. So, like, if it has an arc, the arc of the machine should hit 90 degrees when I'm in my mid range position, which would be when I'm strong. Mm. And as I begin to pull that further to get into that shortened end range on my lat, the arc should then lift a little bit higher. So like if we're thinking about like 
let's say the the place where you load the plates there's like an arm attached to that like if it was a plate loaded machine there's an arm attached to where you put the plates that arm when you start might be slightly down you put the plates on so let's say it's at like five o'clock well when it's at five o'clock there's some weight there but it's not like heavy three o'clock's heavy because three o'clock there's the most direct forces from gravity against that lever right so as we approach three o'clock i should be in that strong position for my muscle and then as i keep pulling it's moving more towards like two or one o'clock that's when i'm getting into my shortening range that's when the weight starts to drop off a little bit because the higher that moment is the actual the easier the exercise becomes so like I was just trying to like kind of pop quiz him that because this is like what we went through in the lecture again. So I was like, hey, do you know? And he's, he's like, he's like, uh, he knows what it is. Yeah. It was like, give me a one liner. And that's the one liner from the lecture. How have you seen that like apply to your clients or people just working out in general? Uh, it makes for better exercise selection. So like if you realize like, oh, when, when heavy o'clock is, I like that. It, heavy o'clock is essentially going to be like three or nine o'clock or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I don't want the my arm to be in its weakest position at heavy o'clock. So like a typical dumbbell tricep kickback, like if somebody's on a bench bent over and they're doing a kickback where they're reaching back, when their arm is in that sh- like shortened position extended behind them, mm-hmm. that's, that's weak o'clock <laughs> for your your muscle but it's heavy o'clock for the weight so it makes for a very inefficient match from like a hypertrophy or loading standpoint because it's like you can't tolerate that much load there and then in that mid-range where you would be able to tolerate more load it's easy so it's like it's underloaded in the part where you're strong and it's overloaded in the part where you're weak what could you do instead oh you use a cable and do the same exact move except instead of bending over because you have a cable you can just have your arm at your side and extend down Mm. so it's like interesting i mean so like should most people be on cables not like is this a general across the board thing or is it i would say that um no um but i would say that cables are going to be more easily manipulated like in terms of like where we have gravity come on and at what points it's easy to kind of adjust those um, for a lot of people, they can't see those arcs or those lines as easy. Where like Absolutely. it's into it's a bit more intuitive. Like a dumbbell bench press, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because it's heaviest at the mid range. Because when I go to push, mm-hmm. the dumbbell is at heavy o'clock because my arm mm-hmm. is the that moment that forms like a ninety degree. It's at heavy o'clock when I'm strong, mm-hmm. and then as I push up, it goes to. I, I'm moving toward weaker o'clock, but the weight is also becoming easier mm-hmm. because the the moment of or what my is the lever, which is my arm, is now more underneath it, like that lock, yeah, sort of thing. So it just becomes easier to lock it out, and then as I'm coming down, it's like I'm moving into a position where I'm stronger anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's a good match, whereas like a cable fly might be uh, a little bit different it might overload the shortened position because my arm is here 
and now it's where my arm meets the cable, not where the like machine where I meet the machine. So it's just it's a little different. Just depends, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a time and a place for all of these things, and it's kind of hard to be like, you're always gonna want to avoid dumbbells. It's like a lot of the times, depending on how you're positioned and what exercise you're doing, you're gonna find yourself with like inefficiencies with dumbbells because there's just limitations on when something's in a shortened end range. So like when my shoulders at a shortened end range, up oh, heavier clock, but also weaker clock. So like these positions where I'm like overly extended that way, it's like heavy o'clock meets weak o'clock more often probably with dumbbells than with cables. True. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. You just have to know when to when that would be useful. And that might be like, oh, you're you're challenging your ability to produce like to create stability or centrate the joint. Like so making sure that my I'm not as I go into this dumbbell lateral raise, in order for me to do that properly, I can't be shrugging my shoulder. Like, I have to, because that's so hard for me to do, it's like, it's challenging at that shortened end range. Mm-hmm. I also have to be really good at controlling my scaps. Uh, yeah, yeah. If I'm not, then I'm not going to get as an effective workout at the shoulder. But maybe that's a point where we're working more to challenge it versus develop it. Like, if somebody's a beginner and they're first coming to the gym, you're not necessarily going to be like, all right, dumbbell lateral raise because they try it and they're like oh this dumbbell so heavy I can't keep my shoulders down it's like okay we first need to learn to keep the shoulders down and then like work on shoulder stability before we start working into something that challenges your ability to do that yeah yeah I don't think anybody kind of like at least like growing up like I would work out with like athletes and no one would kind of approach it from that angle and it's like since working with you I feel like damn I never really want to step in a gym again without a coach only because it's like the like the ways that you go about it like it's like okay oh that makes sense yeah you know what i mean but it's also like if that wasn't there i don't think potential th- issues seem yeah so you know so i think okay so the human body is fairly resilient and i don't want i don't want, so there are certain ways that we can work to develop things so that we're better set up like up for the future a lot of people when they first go to the gym they just need to be stronger than gravity to some degree it's like right now they can hardly hold their bodies up properly so proper exercise selection will help them early on going to the gym a lot of people are like they start with the barbell back squat and i'm like if i was going to tell a person one thing it's like don't start with a bar on your back if you can hardly body weight squat Right, we should probably be working to do something like a counterbalance squat or a TRX squat yeah. or something where we can actually make sure that our rib cage is organized appropriately over our pelvis without increasing the pressures of our lower back. So like if I'm doing a squat and I start to arch my back, you can feel that pressure on your low back right away. Oh yeah. If that's happening, we need to likely regress the pattern so that you can like when I say regress the pattern, we find a pattern that is easier for you to set up so that you don't arch your back. So in this case, it might be a TRX squat or it might be a counterbalance squat, which is where you take a weight and you hold it with your arms straight out in front of you and then you keep your ribs down. And it's like, oh, well, that's harder on my shoulders, but you're going to, and I can't use that much weight. That's fine because you have to learn how to squat properly before we put weight on you. Because if you can't squat properly and then you move to the barbell and you're like, well, at least my legs can hold this. Yeah, but you can't squat properly and you can't load without like putting so much weight on like the facets 
of your spine, like the the joint facets, and like anteriorly rotating your pelvis, so that now you're relying more on structure. Mm-hmm. So it's like I would just like to see more people do things that they think are easier, and some machines. Like the thing that makes you do less weight is probably the thing that you need to do at first, mm-hmm. and then use machines to supplement that because like yeah you're not going to be super strong on your counterbalance squat so then add a leg press in and you don't necessarily need a coach to do those things would you be better off sure i'd probably be a better basketball player if i had a coach but like that doesn't mean i can't go play basketball Mm -hmm. it just means i won't be as good as i could be Mm -hmm. and that's the case probably with everything um yeah yeah or some sort of mentorship so it's like I'm constantly learning or studying or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're only going to be as good as your your investment into that. Or if you have like some sort of athletic ba- background mm-hmm. where you're like you're used to orienting your body in space a certain way. Yeah, you're just better off. Yeah, yeah. It's um. I, it seems like like basketball. I don't know. I, I was going to say it seems like basketball. I'm not going to get. Uh, I don't feel as likely as I'm going to get injured or something. Versus going to the gym, you're probably you're probably probably more, more likely. Part, yeah. Probably more likely. Yeah. If if you hit the gym first, and then played basketball, you'd probably be then less likely, mm-hmm. just because you're more likely to be able to control your body in space against gravity. So like, uh, there's there's three ways that we work to uh, like. There's a number of ways we work to like make things more difficult. Mm-hmm. First thing is like do it for longer do it at greater intensities which in the like for the most part is load and do it at greater speeds right for somebody who can't keep something in a certain position for a long period of time with basketball you're going basically fast forward to velocity like you're moving with speed if you have somebody who can't stabilize their hip they can't stabilize their foot and you tell that person now run and jump high likelihood that something's going to happen um, I, I would, I would say that, yeah, learning to then first build endurance of your hip and your foot, mm-hmm. general, like stability of your pelvis, then moving to something that would have more speed. Like, dude, the number of guys that I know that like to p- play the occasional pickup game that have had something happen is like, yeah, I'm not shocked. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Because they never work out or they never... Or, like, so, dude, like, if you're playing a lazy game, yeah, you're not going to get hurt because you're not going fast. Chill. Yeah, the dudes yeah. that are, like, trying to, like, really play, like, run up and down the court and, like, try to jump, block, whatever, and you weren't doing stuff before, no. No, it's kind of like the conversation around the guy that's, like, 90% of adults over 30 will never sprint again. Mm, mm. And, like, that general is such... The general, yeah. It's not an actual number, guys. Right, right. It, but, like, yeah. that... The idea that that's the over case. thirty yeah. dudes aren't sprinting, for the most part, I feel like is is pretty valid, um, because most people aren't going to take the time to, like, how many adults over thirty are actually active, actively training, to support a body that sprints. I don't. Yeah, I don't even know if I know. Most, yeah, aren't. Yeah, and because of like the work that would go into doing that, most aren't. Yeah, what? Not to go too far down it, but I guess at what age do you think? Because I I've always been under the impression I don't think it's necessarily an age thing so much as it's like the age. Like so, if the, it's the it's how long have they been unactive or inactive? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, like if you played 
yeah, if you played some level of at least sports from high school up to college, the time from when you graduate or stop playing college to your 30s is greater than at 25. And it's not necessarily because that person's 25. Somebody at 25 could likely experience it too if they'd never done shit. Of course. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like, it's more about the timeline, less about the the timeline of inactivity, less about the age. Like there's people that are far older that could probably still sprint. Yeah. And that's because they just didn't have the time off. Yeah. I, I think it's definitely like a mentality thing of like, how important is this to me? And yeah. do I want to put the focus and energy into it? Facts. You know? Yeah. Um, I've got kids. I've, I've got work. I've got, you know. Um, It's just interesting though, because it's like, it's something that's only a net positive really. Being able to sprint? Not necessarily the sprinting part, but. Yeah. Just the time the, goes and do it. The athleticism part, you know, behind it. Yeah. Um. Some sort of physical activity is just um, better for the mental even. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. I think also, like, I mean, if you're getting into kind of like the psychological aspect of doing certain, like, it's the F, like the effort or intensity that goes into that. And it's like, I think as a lot of people get older, it's just like, I just don't care. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But like, yeah. th- there are people that, that have done that. They're like, they did the, I don't care thing for long enough. And they're like, I don't, they're like. I'm tired of feeling like this. So it's like, then they flip that switch and want to get back in. So it's like, it's really kind of around like, I'm like, I think we talked about making a piece of content around this, but like Mm. the allostatic load, which is essentially that we have stress coming in from a number of inputs, right? We have lifestyle stress. uh, We have um, stress from our diet. We have stress from our lack of sleep. We have stress from people. <laughs> we have stress from training. Um, so all of these are various inputs or stressors, right? Um, if all of those could, if all of those were kind of turned up to a high, your willingness to do things or take on more stress or more work is going to be close to zero. So how do we uh, create a greater capacity for that is essentially being like, where can I turn down the faucet, right? Like if we have a bathtub and it's already overflowing with water and you've got four faucets running on high, it's like, all right, in order for us to actually get this thing to start draining properly, we can't have four faucets running on high. But Steven, I got this bucket and I'm taking this water out and I'm trying to scoop it out. What what is the thing that's scooping the water out? A bucket. No, No, but what is the bucket in this case? Drinking. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, the drinking I, the drinking feels like right it feels redu- like, it feels like reduction in stress but it would be like you scooped that water up and then you grabbed water from somewhere else added to that and then poured it back in mm-hmm. you're like it's you're you're that's more stress while the faucets are running yeah while the faucets are running you didn't you really didn't take any water out it felt like you might have for a second right and it's like you actually poured more water on. i don't like to drink by the way yeah but yeah yeah me uh but just as an example of yeah you know where i think that yeah like well like somebody uh, here's the thing is like some people will feel like oh, okay i'm doing this thing where i'm decompressing but it actually doesn't net result in a uh, reduction in stress in the body like mm-hmm. often decompressing so like, being drinking or sure okay sure um or like i just you know i'm just gonna turn my brain off and watch tv right um uh, and it's, it's really not like meditation would probably 
be more of what would actually be decompressing. Okay. Which would, it's, it's non-sleep deep rest, which would net result in positive reduction in stress. Where watching TV might not. So it's like both things I'm decompressing, but one is actually working toward a net reduction in that allostatic load, whereas the other is like not. Yeah. I'm not saying don't watch TV. I'm just saying like if you're feeling super stressed, maybe take some time to breathe. Yeah. Like a little TV can be good to decompress, but only to a certain point. And have something to talk to people about. Like, out of, yeah. So it's like, if it's the thing you're doing all the time when you are stressed, I don't think I've seen that result in a positive outcome, like a net positive outcome toward being able to do more or take on more in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Coping mechanisms definitely seem like something that aren't, uh, <clears throat> how, how do you say that? Like, like they're, they're a good, um, I think they can be good, but everything kind of runs its course. Like a little TV yeah. can be good. Um, even meditation, you do too much of that and it's like, oh, well, now I don't have a job because I missed my work day yeah. meditating. Yeah, day, but that's okay. If you're meditating eight hours. Eight hours, you know what I mean? Literally, I can't yeah. stop meditating. Well, here's the thing, man. Like if at that point you reach nirvana or whatever, then who needs a job? <laughs> who needs a job, right? I'm meditating, right. But it's like I would think that most of us would want, you know, to... Yeah. Take care of uh, responsibilities. I, yeah, that nature. I think even the Buddha, like even the Buddha, like had like a. It, there was time spent not meditating, and right? Doing his spiritual work and right, trying to spread the good word or whatever. Yeah, because there's more to life than just meditate. You know what I mean? So much of yeah. you know, and it's like um, I don't think that's I don't think that's what happened most of the time. No, for sure. And same thing with sleep, right? Like it's like okay, dude, we clearly need sleep. If you're sleeping 15 hours a day, probably too much. Facts. Yeah. So like, yeah. yeah, you don't need less, you don't need less allostatic load. You, you, you need more, like you need more stress in your life. There's this idea that, um, I kind of learned in my like early mid twenties where it's like, we only have so much willpower each day. Like there's like a certain like threshold to it because yeah as we're trying to focus on our goals, as we're trying to accomplish things, that takes willpower. Yeah. But then doing dishes will take a certain amount of willpower. And yeah. then doing laundry will take a certain amount of willpower. And then it's the way that you approach it that kind of changes things. So it's like, I actually enjoy washing some dishes. I actually enjoy putting some laundry away. It's not that bad, you know, versus, yeah. oh man, I got laundry and oh, I got this. Yeah. And I, you know. Yeah. But it kind of it kind of seems like it falls in line with the the stressors the idea of like these different faucets running at the same time for yeah. a bath, you know. There's a book I was reading, it's called The Organized Mind. Mm. And in that book, they talk about the science, like basically like everything that you do, even the processing of your this podcast mentally is taking a certain amount of your brain's capacity, mm. right? So you have, if we were, if you were a computer software, you can only process so many bits of information and your brain filters out a certain amount. Mm -hmm. Basically, our brain peak, two people talking at the same time. That's the most attention that we can actually process at the same time. Interesting. Like, it really take that in. Uh -huh. And I think that that's like, if, if you're in a room with two people so you could visually see them and that's the most, like, that cap it. So uh, being on your phone 
you're taking in information. Literally, there's you, you have neurons firing every little bit of information that you're taking in, right? So if it's coming in from here, something's happening at the synapse, like shit's firing, right? So yeah. it is draining you of your what are finite resources of the body to be able to process this information, mm. right? And so where do we get some of this stuff? From the food that we eat. And so it's like, oh, there's chemical reactions like that result in uh, mus- muscular contractions, neural firings, like all this shit. That, that's just happening for you to simply exist, but then for you to process all that information is like another thing. Takes uh, another level of energy. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think that, um, let's say you take that operating system and uh, you're like, okay, we're going to have you sleep less. That's not going to help the whole firing thing on the back end, right? So now what would normally take a certain amount of willpower in a day, you are now at a disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and now I'm going to add in more inputs, right? So I've got I've got less sleep, and now I'm going to add in more stressful inputs, mm. right? So it went from I need to wash the dishes or whatever. You can enjoy that as much as you want, but it's like, I know I need to do that thing. Sure, it takes willpower. But like, let's say dieting. Okay, now I now instead of being like, most people recognize that they don't have to diet, right? They want to diet, right? They want like, no, 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 I have to because I need to, I need to like, if I don't, I'm going to die, right? Like if, but like, you don't have to because like, you can eat and then you can eat more and then you, you, your body would gain weight. Right. So like the thing is, is like once it's like, Oh, I have to make the decision whether or not to be dieting right now, that would take some willpower. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you've got a plate of food in front of you and you're trying to do pushaways or like, you're not trying to eat the whole plate or whatever you didn't sleep enough, you've got stressful work, you've got stressful relationships, that becomes far harder to do because, like, literally, like, that fuel that you were about to eat is going to help process what this this overstressed system actually is requiring. Yeah. So it's like, sometimes I'll tell somebody, it's like, hey, maybe it's not right now. Like, it's either you need to find a way to reduce stress stresses other places. Sometimes it's not the best time to be dieting. Mm-hmm because you're just adding, you're pouring more stress onto the system. It's like we're tapping into our adrenals, we're fucking up our hormones, like this other stuff. So it's like the things that support healthy weight loss on one end, if we're shooting that thing in the face, if I run up to testosterone, I'm like, it's like we're probably not going to have a fun time dieting at all. Yeah, which I um, totally agree with. Another like minute, we're going to have to push play on that thing again but yeah um yeah i definitely think that like i would just say i I think that like those people who do finally um find some sort of like success with dieting like with a lot of things if not most things um have their like relationship to dieting has changed versus maybe it was at the very beginning like you don't need to approach dieting right now because you have these other stressors that would be actually more beneficial to reduce right uh, and here's the thing is you can reduce the degree to which that diet is actually stressing out your body right mm-hmm. 
So if, and I'm going to say simply, it's like the, so the, the more sustainable your diet is likely the less of a calorie deficit you're in. The more sustainable, what do you so, use the word sustainable? With? Yeah. So like, so something that somebody could do for a long period of time is likely just the easier thing to do. So like normally when people diet, they're picking some fad diet, let's say keto or intermittent fasting or something like that. They've reduced their calories. So like what would normally maintain their weight, they've cut that like dramatically. And so like, let's say they're at a thousand calorie deficit, right? It's going to be harder, even though like progress would be quicker, it's going to be harder to get to, let's say the same 20 pounds. Like, like let's say I want to lose 20 pounds. You're moving fast, hard and fast, but it's going to be harder to get to that 20 pounds than if I do it slowly, right? Because the ease of which, like if I cut my calories instead of a thousand calories, if I drop them by 200 calories, mm. I can chip away at 200 calories very easy. Even though it might take five times as long as doing it the fasting way, it's just the stress from doing it a thousand calories at a time, even though it's faster, is just substantially harder on the body. There's a trade-off. Yeah. And so like, so for people that can be like, I'm going to redline it. But like, dude, most people aren't like, if they need to, they need to go on a road trip or something. Mm -hmm. They're not going full blown NASCAR all the way to their destination because they'd probably get pulled over. But also because that would probably be the hard thing to like, it would be the hard thing to do. You're just going like, oh shit, pothole. (laughs) It's like, and then you like, yeah, it's not like who would want to. It's like, oh, I, yeah. if I go, I see if I go a little over speed limit, like I still risk getting pulled over. But it's like I go a little over speed limit, and it's like, okay, cool, going a little faster now. Okay, a little slower. I saw a cop. Okay, it's like so. Like if we took that same approach to dieting. It's like, okay, I have this modest deficit. I'm gonna go there, and then you'll hit your destination, right? You can check the GPS pretty easy. It's real easy to check the gate. You can change the radio. You can be dancing to some music you really enjoy. Versus if you're like, dude, you chill. <laughs> load up the family to go to Ocean Shores, get in, get in, you know, yeah, you know and get pulled over. Where's the pit crew? Over, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I see what you're saying. And it makes sense too, because it's like, it even kind of goes back to uh, weightlifting, working out, where it's like, no, pick the weight where it's like uh, appropriate for how you're trying to be. I don't exactly know how to word it, but it's like, pick the appropriate. It's like, oh, I'm not, I don't feel like the, the squat, right? Yeah. It's like, pick the thing that's going to benefit the next step, not just going to go for the hardest. Yeah. Not the hardest thing now. Yeah. Yeah. At least. Okay. I would say at least with the dieting, Mm -hmm. if somebody picks the hard thing, Mm -hmm. if you have the skill to handle the hard thing, it'll, you'll hit the goal, right? It's just going to be the harder thing with the squat. Like a lot of people are coming in and they, they don't, they literally don't have the requisite strength to perform a certain exercise mm-hmm. and they go and do that exercise mm-hmm. and they do it shitty, but they're like, I'm doing it. It's like, no, you're not. Cause it's other muscles, right? Compensating yeah. usually like, yeah. So like I said, like we, when I say we're leveraging structure, it's like, we're just putting more weight onto things that don't necessarily adapt. Got it. So like my bones aren't going to respond as much from training as muscles are right so it's like yes sure we we weight train your bones get stronger yeah but they're not gonna move the weights better 
Mm. right? They're just able to handle weights on them better, mm. but they're not going to move the weights better, right? Whereas if I get my muscles coordinated properly to performing a certain exercise, it's going to that result in its growth so that I can better perform this exercise in the future with more weight. That doesn't happen with bumps the same way. Yeah. Um, Because when you talked about, uh, I forget which exercise it was, but like lifting. Like a lateral raise? Like a lateral raise, right. You were saying like in general, somebody first coming in the gym, you probably wouldn't suggest that to them because it's like they're using shoulders, traps. Yeah. You know, um, where it's like, well, maybe using no weights, but like properly learning how to execute that. I probably have them using cable. I have cable. some weight, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's like, it's where the weight comes on heavy. It's just, it, it is a, it is a, I would say a completely different com, uh, concept where the complexities of training and the complexities of dieting lie. And I would say that dieting is, dieting is more about like, okay, what can you legitimately ha- like handle at this moment in time? It's the same thought process via assessment. It's like, but you just don't like have to physically cultivate certain skills to diet, mm. right? Like if I am like, okay, like I feel hunger, right? Like if you've never dieted before, um, you might not know what real dieting levels of hunger feel like. And it's when like when you when you take the bite of the one thing that you weren't supposed to have and then that's when people like throw like they eat the whole cookie tray. They're like, I don't know what just came over me. It's like, I couldn't stop. And I've fucking been there. That's when you're fighting your biology. It's mm-hmm. like you have leptin and ghrelin. And once you like leptin is like this gauge on how much fat your body has. And when you're losing a lot of it quickly, leptin signals the brain like, hey, like, where is all this shit going? Mm-hmm. The brain goes, yeah, you're right. Um, it's called ghrelin. Ghrelin's the debt collector. And ghrelin goes, Hey dude, you're hungry. And you're like, nah, no, no, no. You're hungry and you owe us now. Mm. And so like the more that thing is calling, it's knocking on your door. It's, it becomes harder and harder to say no, because ghrelin isn't like a normal debt collector. It's kind of like a mob boss. Mm. <laughs> it's like, gonna it comes it now. Yeah. Well, it's going to come and it's going to slowly fuck your life up if you don't give it to what it wants. Mm. So, um, then then when people are like, I did the whole thing, like I ate a whole bunch or they finish a diet and they rebound and it's like, they, they, it's not just because they move to a normal level of food. It's because they move to a normal level of food. Oh, and I'm going out with my friends sometimes. Oh, and I'm doing this thing. And then it was just like less and less restraint surrounding the diet. And then it's like, boom, I'm up 30 pounds. You're like, how the fuck did that happen? Right. And it was because all of these little things that just went unchecked and then you're like, oh, well that was not how I anticipated that going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> which is a little different than a lateral raise. <laughs> yeah. Different than lateral raise. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's like when you're comparing things, it's like, I mean, yeah. they have some, you're going to yeah. come to yeah, yeah, all these like points, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I didn't know that about the, like, uh, so it sounds like, so it's like somebody who is losing a lot of fat is going to crave. I would say it's uh, have those cravings. I would say it's probably so. It, it's probably more. It, it's going to be less so the case when you have a copious amount of body fat. 
right? Like if you were like extremely morbidly obese, you're probably less likely for your body to go, oh, okay, like you're going to be super hungry right now because you have enough fat on the body for your body not to be like signal leptin to be like, oh, we need to trigger ghrelin so we can get this back. If you're trying to lose the last 10, more likely. Um, there's a, there's like a homeostatic range and it's like the lower you go from whatever this is, your set point, Mm -hmm. the more likely we are to feel that. Yeah. It's a lot to say again. Um, I just keep thinking back to the mob boss. I'm like, huh, how do I keep this guy off my back? You know? Yeah. I think, so I think the easiest way would be like again that like sustainable approach is like this i they don't they almost don't really notice you you're you're not taking so much away from them that they realize like oh shit we're losing thousands of dollars every day uh-huh right it's like you, you took a little bit of change out of the cash register that's probably going to go unnoticed for far longer than like thousands every day the hard and fast right. streamed up and then the repaying of that to get to what is maintenance is like, okay, when I do go back to, because you were at deficit calories, eventually you're not going to be at deficit calories so that you can just be at a weight where you maintain. So like, all right, let's say I wanted to get to 150 pounds for some reason. I'm dieting until I get to that point. I was at a deficit. Cool. Now, once I hit the 150 and I want to stay at the 150, I'm still in a deficit. So if I were to continue eating the calories I'm eating right now, I'm going to drop below 150. Right. Well, let's say I want to stay at 150. Well, now I need to start adding calories back in to almost like pull the parachute and like not necessarily go back up, but not shoot up in weight. Right. So if you pulled a lot of carbohydrates out of your diet, introducing those carbohydrates back in, there will be weight gained. And it's not because carbohydrates make you fat. It's because for every gram you're getting three grams, every gram of carbohydrates, three grams of water, right? So you're pulling water back in based on the increase in carbohydrates, the increase in calories, but not necessarily fat, right? You're, you're putting glycogen, which is basically when you consume a carb, you get blood glucose, which is essentially blood sugar, which then when in excess gets um, stored as glycogen in your muscles and liver. Right. So, but when you do that, you're adding water as well. Hydrates the cell, creates a more anabolic environment for the the muscles. That that process, although you're adding weight, you're not adding body fat. Is that clear? Yeah. So as I'm doing that, I'm slowly repaying it until I can get to the point where I can maintain 150. So if I was at a thousand calorie deficit, I basically need to go back to a thousand calories above that. And like, even though like if I calculated it yeah. as I'm at a negative a thousand, it, it depends on how the math worked out in terms of your rate of weight loss. Cause like what was a thousand calorie deficit early on might not be as you get closer and closer to your end goal. Cause your body doesn't burn as many calories as you're dropping down because normally your neat drops, which is your non exercise activity thermogenesis so like all the titching like all the twitching and moving and getting up to get a glass of water you do less of that 
when you're dieting and you do less and less of it, the more, uh, like the more weight you lose. So like that feeling where you're like sitting on the couch and you're like, I want to get some water. Yeah, uh, no, right now. That is effectively neat going down. So the more we can get ourselves to get up and get some steps or do whatever, all the other things we blink less, like all, all these little things as you're dieting begin to go down. It's like the longer you're in that deficit, the more those things go down. So yeah, when I was at a thousand calorie deficit here, it's not a, the same as a thousand calorie deficit down here. Yeah. That makes sense. No, for sure. Yeah. Cause it's, you got to maintain, but you have to calculate that in order to know how much I need to get back to maintenance. Cause it might've been a thousand calories here, but maybe it was a 500 calorie deficit down here. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Instead of adding a thousand calories back in, I actually need to add 500 back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, cause it seems like it's like where you put, like if once you hit that 150, it's like, where do I put the, like, what food do I eat? I wouldn't say where do I put those calories. Right. I wouldn't say like, I don't, it doesn't matter too much. Like there's a certain, there's, there's probably a certain amount of fat. Like there's a certain amount of fat that's essential for hormonal function. Maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, carbohydrates might be slightly less likely to be stored as fat than there's also a higher thermic effect of food from carbohydrates. So you burn more calories consuming carbohydrates than you do with fats. And there's more things for your body to do with carbs just generally. Um, so I would say like, I'd probably, if your protein's set, I'd get enough fat so that things don't taste like shit. And, um, and then the remainder, as much as I could, I would partition to carbohydrates. And you'll just find the fats in everything, dude. So, like, yeah. in order for you to keep your fats down, you actually kind of have to make an attempt at things being lower fat. Because if you're like, oh, like, now that I'm not dieting, I'm going to have the chicken thighs, I'm going to have my whole eggs, I'm going to have beef. And it's like, you just did that, but, like, you didn't realize, like, oh, that um, the, the way that you like to eat your toast or your noodles or whatever has fat, too. So it's like you did all that, but, like, now your fat's up at you know, 150 grams and you're like, didn't need anywhere near that. Is that because people just don't recognize like, oh shit, butter on bread, that's fat right there. Not even, uh, not even, it, it'd be something simpler than that. It's like the oatmeal that they like to eat or um, like maybe the, the cut of meat that they're, they're, they're choosing, um, the bread that they eat. Like it's, uh, there's like little bits of fat in a lot of these things that just add up over like as you start to have more of them it's like oh it, it's only three grams but three grams 12 times a day is now 36 grams it's a lot to take in it seems like sugar and salt are in everything for sure if it seems fat it's like in everything it seems like that's in everything too. for sure yeah. for sure um i would just say like sugar is a little bit easier to avoid in some summons like uh Maybe like the additional sugars added to certain things, like they're definitely there, but I would say I would be less concerned about sugar because there's tons of sugar replacements. So even if you're going to make something yourself, there's just more replacements for sugar. Like using monk fruit or something. Yeah. Um, and like, as, as long as we're not going full cans of soda, you're probably doing decently okay it's like oh man there's a little bit in my barbecue sauce sure you could switch to a sugar-free barbecue, barbecue sauce 
So it's like, at least there's that option where it's like, if, if the base item is higher in fat, you have to like not even touch that item. Yeah. Essentially, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like things that people think are carby also are really fatty. So like, like they're like, oh, I got this, uh, croissant. It's like croissants have a hell of fucking fat. And you thought it was a carb, right? Like, it's like, it's got a ton of fat. If it's like, if it was fried, um, if it's fried, if it's baked in butter and stuff, it's like the things that kind of like hide, um, the little dessert options that you want that you thought were maybe more on the carb side, lots of fat in them. Yeah, that's crazy. I knew that croissants had hella fat, I, but I didn't at the here, same time. Here, here's the thing. Here's what I think is crazy about fat is somebody will look at a bar, right? Like let's say we, we, I don't know what this bar is, but we're going to say it has eight grams of fat. Uh, we're going to say it has 14 grams of protein. That's a shit ton of protein, my guy. Right. I'm loving this for, bar. For for a lot of people, that would be a lot of protein. Yeah. 14 grams of protein. I'm loving this, yeah. Eight grams of fat. Yeah. Take my money. Is it more protein or more fat? More protein. See, that's where they get you. <laughs> Why? Because gram for gram, fat is nine like is nine calories and protein is four calories. So you'd you you'd only so if it was fourteen what is that? Grams of protein. Yeah. That's what, 56? Okay. 56 calories from the protein. Right. Part. Yeah. Eight times nine. Was that 72? But 72 grams. 72 of, calories. 72 calories of fat. Right. So technically the bar is more fat than it is protein. But it's because people see those numbers as smaller that they're like, oh, it's it's more protein. It's like an yeah. egg is a is more substantially more fat. A whole egg is substantially more fat than it is protein. And that's because it, the body breaks it down that way, or that's just how they are. Like it's just for every gram of fat, there are there are nine calories. Mm. Yeah. Damn. Well, yeah, um, yeah, because eggs I look at as like protein. Mo- most people would. Yeah, but it's a fat. Technically, it's far heavier in fats, and so if you're using that as your primary source to load up on protein, it's like, like I do, some egg, some egg white. So it's like it's not that I don't want the whole egg because I do want some of those healthy fats from the egg. Yeah, but I'm also gonna like make sure that I'm getting an appropriate balance of protein because I want my protein far higher at the end of the day than I do want my fats. Like my fats right now are at like 60 grams, but my protein is at like 200. Where it needs to be. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Well, um, yeah, like last time, I had a bunch of questions that we kind of didn't even go over because we just yeah hit the conversation, but I love it. Yeah. Love just being able We've to got more for next pre-ball. time. We have no, more for next time. And if I could just ask you one last thing, avocado. What about it? Healthy fat. It is a healthy fat. It's Is it a fruit? I think technically. Okay. It has a seed. I think it makes it a fruit. Uh, But yeah, avocados are great. Just make sure that we're getting the appropriate amounts of fat throughout the day. Um, and we can probably get into that on another podcast. But Oh, yeah, guac and all of it. Yeah, the whole thing. Well, thanks for having me. Of course, dude. It was fun. All right. And for all of you, we'll catch you uh, on the next one. Be sure to like, share, subscribe. Um, 
you know, tell your friends, tell your mother. I think she'll love the podcast. And uh, catch you on the next one. Oh, and be sure to send in questions if you have them. Stephen at davisfitnessmethod.com. Boom, boom. There it is.